Good to have you back. Bill Michaels Show. Third hour. Third hour of the program. And beautiful day today. I'm actually looking forward to getting out and doing a few things outside today. Hopefully. Get a chance to do it. I might, might even ride the bike today. Pick one, pedal or motor for that matter. But a beautiful day today outside. Speaking of outside and things to do, if you are heading down to Indianapolis to check out to the Combine, you may be joining our guy, Mike Clemens, who is on his way down there as well. Mike, oh, how you doing, pal? My way to Indianapolis, pedaling my way to Indianapolis. Uh, <laughs> I can't thought about a flight, but, you know, the last couple of flights I've had, I thought, now, if I get in the car now, I could beat the airlines. <laughs> Just the, right. The lace and the TSA lines and stuff like that. So, yeah, headed down to the NFL scouting combine. Over 300 of the best players in college football will be there. All the positions. Then they they uh, they do the sprints. They lift weights. They interviews with with the teams. Uh, but it's it's a little different this year. There's 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 some changes that I'm not exactly excited about. Uh, one of the big changes, and I see it now all over, uh, I was watching the NFL Network today, ESPN this morning. A lot of coaches are having press conferences now because they're not going anymore. The coaches aren't going down to the combines for whatever reason. You know, there's a multitude of reasons, I guess. Um, maybe it's because the scouting departments are like Green Bay. I mean, they're in charge, and it's you don't have coaches like, you know, Bill Belichick that are, uh, buying the groceries uh, before they, you know, or the chef in the kitchen kind of thing. So it starts with that. Um, I think it's another week where those coaches can actually spend time at home with their families, but work during the day and work on, uh, you know, playbook stuff and on watching tape and uh, planning those kinds of things. So it's a bit of a duplication. I, you know, if you've got a top pick, uh, maybe you're coming down because you know, you, you're the Chicago Bears, and you want to have one more meeting with Caleb Williams. One thing that came out of COVID that started these changes was those 30 players that you get to bring into your hometown and to interview, either on Zoom or you bring in. And that's really made a, a big difference. Of You know, if you're Matt LaFleur, like who are the guys that you really want to sit in and, and talk to? All this stuff is on tape. It's on Zoom. The Packers have been videotaping their interviews for over 20 years, they were one of the first to do that, to talk to these kids. So it's on file, and, you know, four months, four weeks go by, and you hear something else, you say, wait a minute, let's go back to that interview we had with that kid. Did he mention that situation? So, you know, you're trying to get, you're trying to do your vetting on the character of the players. And last but not least, uh, you're saving uh, yourself a whole lot of money on hotel rooms in Indianapolis for the week, right? Right, yeah. Uh, you know, I, as if they don't have enough money, they're cost-cutting at this point or maybe going down on coupons for sure. Hey, Mike, I mean, the, big, the, the talk for this team is what are they going to do to fill the bill with some of the areas of need, but also, it, you know, the possibility of additional needs because there may or may not be some guys that uh, are, are not going to be with the team. You look at Devondre Campbell, certainly David Bakhtiari. There's talk about Darnell Savage. Uh, John Runyon, Keyshawn Nixon, some of those guys. Uh, you could look at a guy like A.J. Dillon. I mean, there's there's quite a few question marks right now. Yeah, and there always is. Uh, I hope the one thing that these teams didn't do is say, you know what, and the other reason we don't want all those assistant coaches down there is because these guys go out drinking with their buddies from the other teams, and that's when stuff gets out. You know, that's when the leaks right. start. That's when stories come out of it. 
And that's unfortunate because, frankly, that's what I'm going down for is the story. It's a story. <laughs> you know? And yeah. run, into, run into these guys and get to, hey, by the way, that one thing that happened three years ago, now that you've moved on to two other teams, what, what really happened on, on that situation? That, you know, right. You're looking for that. Um, I'm going to get a, almost an hour with Brian Goodikins tomorrow, and that's appreciated. Um, we'll meet off campus. Uh, it'll be with the other guys that cover the team regularly. And I just I can just think of back to how dramatic that meeting was an, a, a year ago this week when the guy is coming in and saying, it's time for Jordan to play. And, you know, Aaron could do whatever he wants to do. And, uh, you know, if he wants to come back, sure. But, you know, he, he had a quarterback that was in a, you know, well-publicized darkness retreat. And what we didn't learn until about a month later is that, yeah, Aaron did not return his calls for a month. And right. that when they got, by the time they got to the combine, the Packers already decided we're done. We're done. And then at that point, you know, Aaron's agent calls back like the first week of March and says, yeah, we want to be traded to the Jets. So that's what it was all along. I'd love to joke around with Brian Goodikins tomorrow and say, hey, if you picked up your phone right now, could you get Jordan Love on the phone? <laughs> right, exactly. That'd be great. And, and, yeah, has Jordan got a good cell signal out there in Riverside, California? Just yeah. I mean, yeah. Some Does of Jordan things- ever tell you, oh, by the way, the only you got to FaceTime me, bro? So- yeah, yeah. Yes. You know, there's there's so there's so many of those things, and I sent you that article over the weekend, right? There's so many of those things that are, are so much more simple for Brian Gutekinds and Matt Lafleur now moving ahead. But they're still really tough decisions. I think they have made most of their decisions by now. Now they, you know, they 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 kind of know what they are prepared to do for a roster. I, they, I then they're going to get some more answers and info and intelligence on some of these players that they, if they're on their board, that that they'll pick them when they get to it. But, you know, I think for me, A.J. Dillon, um, gosh, you know, what a, a great guy, great football player, and locked into the community. But it's about, you know, yards after contact, bro. And 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 a guy who even, even himself admitted somewhere in, training camp or early part of the year like his wife said after last year's season like she put in a tape of his boston college tape and say you got to run like that yeah. with reckless abandon and run over people and and there's got to be a lot of reasons why it took him to to about october or november to start running like that a lot of it had to do with all the snaps he got with aaron jones out for so many weeks I think it's got to, I think that AJ Dillon is too good of a guy to say our line stinks right now. I mean, you know, after Bakhtiari left after the Bears game, we got all problems with the line. We've got confusion on offense. We're in the middle of a four-game losing streak, and it was during that streak that AJ Dillon got to be that safety valve for Jordan Love, and you know, some of their most important third-down conversions came to him dumping off to AJ Dillon. But you know, you just get the sense. And we'll try and see if Brian wants to reveal that answer tomorrow. Is uh, have they already decided? And hey, you know, four years and out, running back, we running backs are a dime a dozen. AJ Dillon is as great of a guy as he is. You know, we we can get somebody on a rookie contract and get the same productivity. So, Mike, uh, you know, I I know that the Packers the Packers are in a unique position this year where they don't 
they want to fill some holes, but they don't have to. It's not like they've got desperate situations going on right now. They just really need to kind of stockpile, continue to stockpile talent. And if they have another draft this year out of 11 draft choices like they did the last two years, my God, I, I can't imagine how deep this team is going to be with talent, you know? Yeah, well, you know, you've got a you got an average player, Rasheed Walker, playing left tackle. And, you know, you had the class of all time there with Bakhtiari. Uh, Bakhtiari, you know, has posted a few things on Twitter saying, he, you know, uh, his last surgery went great. I don't know when he's going to be ready. I don't know if the Packers have just said, you know, man, we have patiently waited for over two and a half years, and we, did, we need to get on. We, we need to find the next Bakhtiari, the next Chad Clifton. And they're pretty, probably pretty confident that they can get that done. I don't know if it's in this draft or next year, but that's, that's where they're thinking. Is that, and even if Walker goes down, okay, who's, who's going to back him up? We're going to have to move Zach Tom around from the right tackle position. They're going to move on from John Runyon because he's a good, you know, a B-minus guard, but he's going to get veteran money, and so he'll make a nice payday someplace else like other Packer offensive linemen at the end of his contract. So it, it, those concerns really need to be on, on the offensive line. And then, and then it's all secondary, man. I mean, they have to reinvent that secondary. I don't think Stokes, I don't know if he's ever going to be able to play again. And they seem to have Jair's head on straight. They just hired a secondary guy to be your defensive coordinator. And, and this is good. I just, I talked to a longtime buddy who covers senior bowl every year. And he said, Hey, by the way, before he hung up, he said, uh, first day, he said, uh, I saw your guy, Brian Goodkins and John Eric Sullivan, the, you know, the director of uh, the college scouting, um, you're number one and number two in the scouting department for the green Bay Packers get down the field day one, the senior bowl, standing there at about the 25-yard line. And then when the players came out, that's where the defensive backs were. So they were, I mean, first in line to watch the defensive backs at the senior bowl. That's probably where they're leaning in the draft. Yeah, I would assume that's the direction they're going to go. I, I just uh, Part of it is you're excited about it. Part of it is it's unfortunate. They've invested, what, eight first-round draft choices and all that capital into the defense, and they're still no better off than they were five years ago. You know what I mean? No. You know, what was it? Demarius Randall okay, that they ended up trading to Cleveland. I mean, you know, player after player after player. Jair's turned out to be great. Just a little bit weird. Stokes, you know, I mean, he had an injury that has pretty much wrecked his career. So, right. I, you know, look for more of the same. And, you know, it's like Reichel pointed out on your show last week, though. I mean, Goodkins is coming into this thing with the trades that he made, the Jets trade and all that. He's going to have five picks in the first three rounds, mm-hmm. in the first two days. I mean, that's just crazy. And it's your team that you know, made it to the playoffs. Right. Yeah, Mike, I, I completely agree with you. I, I, I think this team is not far away. I, I think they're a little bit of depth. Special teams got obviously good. And we haven't even really talked about special teams because they're talking about tinkering with the kickoff uh, again and uh, they, they could possibly get into, like, the XFL situation and – putting everybody on a line, which we haven't really even got into the discussion of. So, But special teams need to get a lot better, too. And then, obviously, the kicking game, you're hoping that, you know, Anders Carlson comes back and he's whatever he needed to do this offseason, he's able to dial it in. There's a lot of things that this team, if any of this stuff goes right, we're talking about a different team and a different outcome maybe this past season. Yeah, it's just that when it comes to football, and like Ron Wolf said over 30 years ago, it starts with quarterbacks. 
You got to have a quarterback. And I think we got a pretty good kid in Sean Clifford as a backup. With all that drama gone and five young wide receivers that will now be going into either their third or second year, I mean, those guys, I, I, I was amazed how well they did come in November and December that early. These guys are reliable. If Love can put the ball in their hands, I, don't, I didn't see a lot of drops. That's, I mean, that's the most important part of your offense. you got that passing game going. So get a couple of guys to help on the offensive line and then get yourself a Super Bowl defense. Um, you know, it's a whole lot different than it was a year ago, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, so you got Goody tomorrow. And kind of give us a rundown as to how the week is going to be for you and the coverage we have down there. Well, you know, right after Brian is Dan Campbell, the guy that won your division, and he's going to be available. And I want to talk to him for sure. Um, there's other coaches that aren't there. There's other coaches that got fired. There are still plenty of other guys that are working the hallways. And there's all kinds of storylines I want to see about what's what, – obviously – what's going to get the most national attention is the Chicago Bears because they're first on the board. And are they going to take the USC kid, you know, Caleb Williams at, at quarterback and that kind of drama. But um, I need to find out more about where the Vikings are going. I know what the Lions are going to do, uh, but I, I need to find out more where the Vikings are going to go. Uh, are, do they bring back Cousins and how are they going to retool? And because, you know, that's a team that's in your division. But uh, then the rest of it is to talk to the, the various players through the positions, and they usually bring in the, the defensive backs that can sit down and talk with the media toward the end of the week. And so I want to hang around and talk to those guys because I think uh, there's going to be three or four of them that are going to be on Goody's board the weekend of the draft. I'm interested tomorrow to listen to what Goody has to say about the expansion of the, uh, of the salary cap because it, it went up $30 million. And yeah. obviously he's got quite a bit uh, of cap space available with a c- few cuts that if he should make, he could end up with $40, $50, 60000000 million, depending on what he does uh, with some of these deals. I mean, I know he said that they were going to be players on anybody, but I wonder, Mike, if this is going to be the year. We were talking about this at the beginning of the show. If this is going to be the year that during that kind of uh, unofficial allowable tampering period, just before free agency begins, if we're going to hear the Packers' name, being bandied about, and they go after a safety or go after a corner or go after a real tackle, we'll say, in the offensive. I want to see if this is the year that we hear the Green Bay Packers diving into that pool on day one of free agency. You know what I mean? Yeah, and maybe surprising us, um, like he did that, you know, he pulled off the Zadaria Smith deal and Billy Turner and Adrian Amos, you know, all within a couple of weeks. Uh, that was, you know, that, that flipped heads. Although, they're coming off such a great – they had 11 players in last year's draft, and that doesn't even include an undrafted guy like Malik Heath. They had 11 players that played significant time last year for the Packers out of that draft. That's just unheard of. So, you know, we're, we might be back to being really confident about draft and develop and paying guys, paying our own guys, and maybe there's one or two guys that we'll pick up he may go back to that as opposed to what they did four years ago and, you know, close but no cigar when it came to the postseason. Uh, Mike, any, uh, any other parting thoughts before I let you go? And don't forget to hit the Skyline Chili on the north side of Indianapolis. Oh, yes. Thank you for that reminder. And then the handles ice cream. Yeah, Peter King announced his retirement today. Yeah, I saw that. 
Peter King started out in your town in Cincinnati working with the Bengals where he went down, talked to the head coach, and said, what do you like in the draft? He said, well, we like this Boomer Esiason guy. Yeah. And then we're thinking about getting this guy. And he wrote that in the Cincinnati Inquirer. And everybody thought that this, you know, 27-year-old kid was like like the next great thing. And he's, I just, the coach just gave it to me. That's how much the business has changed. But after 40 years, all those cover stories on Sports Illustrated and hanging out with Brett Favre and getting all those inside stories in the 90s. I remember Peter was on our show one time and he said, uh, Hey, I love covering the Packers because every time we do it, like we sell three times the amount of copies, I'm trying to put kids through Cornell. You know, it's right. (laughs) He gets a bonus for that. But, you know, the business has changed, and he was so upset and disappointed that Roger Goodell moved the commissioner's press conference from Wednesday when everybody had arrived in town by then, and it's open forum, and anybody from any town can ask a question to Monday before half of the meeting. You know, you and I, we get there the weekend before. But he, he moved it, and, and he made it, you know, invitation only. And I think he just sees a tightening and tightening of the NFL and access to it and the NFL taking over their own media and maybe the sports betting angle of mm-hmm. it and that kind of thing, where it's just like, you know, I don't, he's still got a great interview with Andy Reid in his office which he posted on, on YouTube, but I just, I, I could sense even, you know, in Las Vegas, it's just like, you know, uh, maybe this is where I get off. And so the, the game draws the, the most watched program in television history, including the moon landing. There's all those celebs there. They're making more money than ever before. And it's like, you know, I, I'm here to talk about what it took for a guy to get into this league and to succeed and to tell those stories to fans, and you know, maybe it's time to turn the page and let somebody else have a chance. But that's tough because there's so many things that Peter's done in terms of telling the story for football that I know that I, as a reader and fan, always appreciate it. And we'll see what happens in place of that. Yeah, it is. Uh, the times are changing, no doubt about it. And you and I called that years ago when all of a sudden you started having the reporters that were actually working for the teams to do their own website stuff, asking questions. And you thought, okay, this this, yeah. this doesn't smell right anymore. So I, I yeah. completely agree with you. Yeah, no doubt. Mike, great stuff, and I look forward to talking to you all week, pal. Thank you, Bill. All right, bud. Talk to you later. The great Mike Clemens joining us for a couple of minutes on his way, uh, probably on 65, heading down towards Indianapolis, just below Chicago. And uh, then he's got the entire entire week down there for the Combine this week with the NFL. Let's do this. We're going to step out. We'll take a quick break. We will come back. we got a lot more to get to. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Good to have you. The Bill Michael Show. We continue on. This portion of the program brought to you by our good friends at the Four Seasons Island Resort. It is never too late to go up north, get a little bit of an escape, go to the island right in the middle of the um, Muscana River, go across that little bridge over to where uh, all the mobsters from years gone by used to gather and discuss their plans, divvy up states and territories and such. And also just a great getaway. And if you want to do a little hiking, 
If you want to do some ATV, UTV, whatever it happens to be, uh, not a lot of snow for the uh, for the trails to be open. But uh, if you want to go up and just get away and escape, just have a really nice time. Whether it's in the Diamond Room with really good food, if you just want to sit down by the pool, if you want to just jump in a hot tub, go to the sauna, do a little workout, whatever it happens to be. Or if you're going to, say, go for a wine tasting over in the lounge, or if you want to go downstairs to the Boundary Water Sports Bar and Grill, take a trip into the UP, whatever it happens to be. That's the Four Seasons Island Resort, and the best part about it is you get a discount, just if you mention our name. Say, I heard it on the Bill Michael Show. You get 15% off, and it's worth it. It's just such a great place. Call Barb, our girl Barb, 715-938-5110, 715-938-5110. Again, 715-938-5110. You can take the family up for a little weekend getaway. They have an Easter brunch and all that kind of good stuff coming up. But uh, so many different things to do on the island, and uh, that is uh, 715-938-5110, 715-938-5110. That is the Four Seasons Island Resort. Tell them we sent you and get the discount. Good stuff from our friends at the Four Seasons Island Resort. So there you go. Uh, 877-867-1670. Rick says, I subscribed to SI because of Peter King. I canceled when he ended up leaving. Um. This is from uh, Casey. Casey said, oh, no, I already read that from a little bit earlier today. Uh, Jackson. Jackson says, I uh, used to subscribe all the time to Sports Illustrated. Uh, it has become a rag. Uh, they don't do any more hard-hitting articles like Peter King. It used to be a pleasure to read him all the time. I ended up subscribing to the Monday Morning Quarterback. Good stuff there. He was a Favre apologist for a while, and then he gets down and dirty with Favre, and I really liked the fact that he exposed Favre. Uh, for a lot of the truths that had become Brett Favre's legacy. Uh, he goes on to say that uh, Aaron Rodgers was also a topic of conversation, but the Green Bay Packers sell magazines anywhere and everywhere because of the vast network of Green Bay Packers fans all over the world, not just in the country. So appreciate the email. You're right. 100% correct. 100% correct. Uh, Michael says, going back to the Craig Council stuff, he said, here's my take. The same people that are complaining about Council leaving and going to the Cubs are the same ones that complained about him being the Brewers' manager. He, as of right now, is the best manager the Brewers have ever had. It's not even close. I believe that there were issues with Atanasio and Council stemming from the hater trade and probably other things behind closed doors. People need to move on. Murphy is the guy now. Let's see how this uh, very young club grows together. I say 86 and 88 wins somewhere in there. I think 88 wins wins the division. I think three to four teams will all be in that 84 to 88 win range. That is Mike. Um. Boy, if they get to 88 wins, that'd be be a pretty good season. I I agree with you, but I think it's always going to be 91, 90 to 93 wins, wins a division. Uh, Just that's kind of like the the sweet spot. Um, But, yeah, you could probably have three or four teams vying for a wild card spot if you get to 88 wins. That I would agree with. The – what you said about Council and Mark Antanasio – I, both guys said the right thing, but I agree with you. What I heard was there was the, what the hell are you doing when they traded away Josh Hader? You understand it's a business, but you can't look fans in the eye and say, now don't get me wrong because look, Devin Williams, he's been a hell of a, hell of a closer. You can't argue with that. However, you really screwed up the chemistry of that clubhouse and the message you were sending them when you did that. 
And that is not something that you usually can measure. You can't put statistics on it because technically you can make it up with Devin Williams, but you took what was what was once a back end of a bullpen that was just insurmountable if you had the lead after six innings, and you made them vulnerable. There was no area on that team that you got better when you made the hater trade for that season when you were leading the division going into the stretch run. And I agree. I I I think Craig looked up to the you know front office and said, what in the hell are you doing? You got me down here doing commercials, wanting to win championships, and telling everybody that I'm in it to win it, and I want to bring a championship to Milwaukee, and you're making me look like a liar, like a fool. You traded away our best closer. We had such a strong bullpen, and you just gave up on us. And I, I, I agree with you. I think there was something there. I think that was the beginning of the end. I, I, I really do. Had that deal not gone down, maybe the season ends up different, and maybe council has the thought process of we're going to do everything. Every time Mark Antanasio opens his mouth and says we're in it to win it, it doesn't matter the cost of money. You you believe him. That that right there, that move was the first time that I looked at Mark and went, "You're lying to me. You're lying to me. You weren't in it to win it." You canned it for money at that point in the season. Business-wise, I understand it a million percent. But as a fan, wanting you wanting me to invest into your product, both with my money and my heart and my soul and, and being fired up for the Brewers and the season and the postseason, and all, that right there, you went, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm lying to you. This is about money. This is about this team not losing money, not losing a good player. We can't afford to pay him, yada, yada, yada. So I, I would I would 100% agree with you right there. 877-867-1670, hit us up. I uh, got a lot still to get to. Going to talk some Bucks basketball coming up bottom of the hour. The Bucks radio voice, Dave Kane, going to be joining us. Dave uh, had a couple of victories to call right after the unofficial halfway point of the season. He is going to join us coming up next. Don't go anywhere. A lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Good to have you. Bill Michaels Show. Enjoying the day today. Hopefully you are as well. Got to talk some Bucks basketball. Bucks come out of the... Uh, Unofficial second half of the season, really kind of almost the beginning of the stretch run for this team. And uh, they get a couple of nice wins. They get the 112-107 win uh, on Friday night. And then yesterday they knock off the 76ers and Doc Rivers return to uh, Philadelphia, 119-198. Did it in fine fashion. And a lot of the stuff that I had been kind of complaining about didn't see in these two games. Uh, joining us now on the hotline, uh, Dave Kane, the Milwaukee Bucks play-by-play voice joining us and uh, Dave first of all man ha- glad to uh, talk to you and uh, good you know did you rest a little bit during the all-star break yeah I, d- I did I got a little bit of a break I actually went back to Charlottesville Virginia got a little mountain biking and saw some friends back there and uh, that was good and yeah just a chance to decompress I, you know I never it always amazes me too for some of these and of course the, the break came at a critical time for us just because it was on, on the heels of this just murderous portion of the schedule where 
we were flying all over the country, going every which way. And then you come home for a two for about a week. And in that week, you have two back to backs within, you know, a day or two of each other. And it was just this, I don't know. I look, I, I call the games for a living and I was wiped out. I can't imagine if I was playing those games, the, the schedule is just relentless. And there are those stretches that are just worse than others. And, and that was a tough stretch for those guys for sure. And to obviously be navigating everything they were through that time, which I'm sure we'll get to, but uh, it was even harder. I, uh, I had said going down the stretch now, whether it was fatigue or what have you, I mean, everybody has to do it, but I said at one point it almost looked like the team was disinterested in playing any sort of defense. Now, I know since Doc took over, this team has been so much better, but it, it seemed like there was just a dysfunction there. I couldn't put my finger on it. You you know, you'd have a guy taking a shot. Four guys are already at the other end of the court. It, it just things weren't flowing. Pick and rolls weren't really rolling for this team because it had two guys in the same place at the same time. What changed in this last week? Was it just the fact that everybody got away and was able to breathe a little bit? I think there's there's some of that, um, but to your point, I, I thought the defense has been playing much better in general, even throughout the stretch where they were losing games in the early Doc Rivers era here. I, I thought the defense has been pretty locked in for the most part. Now, look, there were, it's funny because early in the season, everybody says, all right, so the Bucks are 30 and 13. You make a coaching change. Why would you possibly do that? Well, you know, for those of us that were around the team, you could see that there's such a thing as the eye test. And the Bucks were playing. There's a couple factors you have to work in. They were playing very healthy. They had the easiest schedule roughly, I think, if not the easy, easiest, one of the easiest schedules in the league to that point. And they kind of skated by in some games. They weren't necessarily always passing the eye test. You know, you hear it all the time, the proverbial eye test. What's the eye test? Well, you've seen enough basketball at any level for a period of time, and, and you kind of know. And there's just something that wasn't quite right, and you, you could feel it. And I think, to your point, defense was the first thing that jumped out at you. There wasn't a whole lot of interest in it. And, look, defense, if you watch basketball for any period of time, I got a crash course on defense for 13 years at the University of Virginia under, under Tony Bennett. It is one of the biggest pieces. Yeah, you have to be in the right places, nowhere to be, but you've got to want to be there. It is so much want to, much like rebounding. It's hard. It's unglamorous. But it, and you've got to have the discipline to want to do it. And so that's a big piece of it. And I don't know that that was always there. But now I, I do think it's returned in, in the last 12 games. I mean, the numbers are pretty crazy. And over the course of the, what was it, the first 46 games of the season, the Bucks had held opponents under 110 points. I think it was like four times. They've done it that many times in 12 games under Doc Rivers. And they've been doing it against what his, this is the other piece, an incredibly difficult part of the schedule where you're all of a sudden you're paying the price for that easier part of the schedule you played earlier in the season all of a sudden now you're going through teams like minnesota who hadn't lost in forever you're playing the clevelands of the world you're on the road against phoenix you know it's it's the denver nuggets uh, those types of teams that you weren't seeing early and, and and actually the bucks have played better against those teams believe it or not this season than sometimes they have against the the lower echelon teams, but then there's the health component. So all these things combined, you put it together, since Doc Rivers has taken over, they've only had their top four players together two times in those 12 games. And two things. Drag- oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. See, yeah, yeah, I was just going to say the offense is that's the part where maybe you feel it the most is when you don't have those guys like the Chris Middletons of the world, the Damian Lillards of the world, That that's where you really feel it. And that was what I was going to bring up, because there's two ends of the spectrum here. You get a guy like Bobby Portis. You wanted to get him more quality buckets and such. And, man, he's off to a fast start. 31 points in two games. 
since coming out of the break, and he just looks like he's he's in stroke. They're setting up plays for him. He looks enthused and happy, yelling at Hubie, you know, Hubie Brown and everything the other day. Loved it. Love what's going on with him. On the opposite end, Jay Crowder comes back. He doesn't have but two points since coming back in the last couple of games, but he's got 15 boards. He's got blocks. He's got steals. You just would love to see the offensive side of him get going. And, boy, you really – because I've said all along, I thought Crowder would be kind of an X factor by the time this whole thing's said and done. You got Bobby Portis going. What do they need to do to get Jay Crowder going? Yeah, Jay, Jay's always been a bit of a streakier player throughout his career. Like the first nine games of the season, I think he was shooting about 51% for three-point range. And you don't expect that to continue, but you'd love to have some consistency. But, you know, I just don't think you're going to need a ton from Jay on – Assuming you have your players, I mean, that's the big key for any team. And, and this team was intentionally built top-heavy. It's a top-heavy group. When you got a big four that consists of Giannis, Damian Lillard, Chris Middleton, and Brooke Lopez, you're going to lean on those guys to do a lot of your scoring. Uh, and then Malik Beasley, obviously, he's been shooting the tar out of it. I mean, like, his, his three-point shooting has been – they expected him to be a sharpshooter, but I don't think anyone expected him to be quite this good. So the offense from those five players is going to be there – Anything you get on top of those guys is gravy, I think, offensively. Defensively is, I think, where you lean on some of those guys. And, and I think Jay is, is one of those players you look at because if there's a real weakness with this team, it is that perimeter defense at the point of attack. That's why you bring in uh, Pat Bev to join this team as a, a guy you can defend on the outside. But you still, that stretch three, that longer guy who can, can go outside and, and, and make an impact, I think that's where Jay's real value comes. So as much as you'd love to get offense out of him, it, to me, I look at him, and I think that's really more icing on the cake for this group. But, um, you know, and, and the other thing is guys go through ups and downs of the season, and, and he's a guy who has historically throughout his career. Uh, I listened to what Damian Lillard had to say, also what Giannis had to say about, you know, you've got a guy that's, uh, you know, from point A to point B, got all the ducks in a row. He's got the list of way you're supposed to run a team, the way you're supposed to run a defense, the way you're supposed to set up plays, practices. They're alluding to what Doc Rivers is doing for them, and it's taken them a little bit of a while because starting out, it wasn't great. But over the last four games, it certainly looks a little bit better. Do you think guys are now getting it? They're, 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 they're catching up to where – because Doc Rivers comes into this situation. He's taking over a team that's kind of flailing at that point. And it's kind of like a training camp all over again because you've got to get used to a new coach. Do you think they're finally starting to settle into what Doc Rivers is selling? Well, you know, what I'll say is out of the gates, I think they did. Again, I'm going to go back to the – it, the, the wins and losses does not always tell the story. And, and I can tell you just from being at practices and seeing things, these guys were buying in from the start. It's just a matter of grasping it all. Look, there, there's new terminology. There's, I don't think people recognize what a challenge this is for a team, for a guy to step in with a brand new team in stride at the hardest part of their season. I mean, his first game was in Denver. I mean, it was against the defending champions at altitude in Denver. And then the next next thing you know, you're going to Portland. Then you got Dallas and Utah on a back-to-back, and then at Phoenix. I mean, it was the hardest you could make the case road trip of the season that they were playing in. And they didn't win all those games. But I actually – I was more encouraged, even though they weren't winning those games. But the two games that, to me, over the course of the Doc tenure uh, so far, that had caught my eye that had been unnerving were the last two games going into the All-Star break. Um, I, I think that the game against Miami – that was a shorthanded Miami team. It was the second of a back-to-back, but Miami just dismantled the Bucks. I thought they took some steps back in that game. And then against Memphis, one of the trickier games of the season when you're that last game before the All-Star break, but a Memphis team that was down 
I think eight or nine of their top players. And those young guys, they've been, they've been scrapping and clawing for Memphis, but those were the two that I thought, well, this doesn't look right. But aside from those two games, and that includes all those games leading up, I liked the way the Bucks played, even in Phoenix. I thought they had that Phoenix team sweating it out at home with all their weapons available that night. So, you know, I, I think the buy-in has been there from the get-go, but I think the challenge has been really understanding some of the shifts in terms of where guys are supposed to be, roles sh- shifting a little bit, terminology shifting, and even from, from Doc Rivers' perspective, knowing his personnel. Like, that that's part of the thing, too. So, this just doesn't happen overnight, and I think we all knew that. And uh, so, you know, I, I'm hopeful, though, like these last two games, the, you can make the case the best two games the Bucks have put together back-to-back all season. So can you keep it going? I mean, that was what we asked ourselves coming out of the Minnesota game. Uh, unlike when De- the Bucks dismantled Denver the week before, the next day they get handled by Miami. Can you keep it going? That consistency this season has been the thing that's been elusive in terms of quality of play from one game to the next. And I'd love to see these guys kind of piece it together a little bit more. But I think continuity is a big part of it. I mean, I know I've been rambling here, but the last thing I'm going to say is that this is a team that has had tons of continuity for the last five years. There just have not been many changes. All of a sudden, you come into this season, John Horst, the GM, told me before the year, this is the most change he's ever seen for one of his teams that he's been a part of, even going back to his Detroit Pistons days, when it came to not only personnel, coaches, and even support staff. I mean, there was just so much change, and then it never stopped. The change continued over the course of the season. Now you've got Danilo Gallinari, you've got Pat Beverly, you've got a new head coach. All these things continue to play out, so I think that's a challenge to navigate that, and uh, we'll see how they can can handle it for a group that hasn't had to deal with that much in recent years. Is the Eastern Conference really just the Celtics and everybody else is breathing their air? I mean, are the Celtics just that good? And I look at their point differential. I was talking about this the other day. Their point differential is very reminiscent of the same year when the Bucks won the championship, where it's double digits. They're just beating teams solidly. They're just extending leads. They look good doing it, both ends of the floor. There's not a lot of flaws in their game. Are the Celtics just that good, and and is it just them and the Bucks that are really kind of vying for the top spot in the East? I'm not. I well, you're talking about in the regular season. I think right now you could say it's the Celtics and the Celtics vying for the top spot because this cushion they put between themselves and everybody else in about seven and a half games. I think right now is is significant. But um, in, in terms of once the playoffs arrive, uh, certainly they're going to be the front runner. But I I would not simplify it down to saying it's theirs to lose. I know that's become a pretty popular narrative these days, but look, I'm scarred from last season as we saw what happened when the Bucks ran into a Miami team that was supposedly, you know, this game was a game. This team was a game away from being knocked out on the, the playing stages and not even making the playoffs. Next thing you know, they're in the NBA finals. So things happen in this league and the talent is so good on so many teams. There's a lot of X factors at play too. I mean, I, Look, if Joel Embiid comes back, the 76ers are more than just a external, you know, per- perimeter threat. I mean, like, these guys have a chance to go all the way themselves. The Knicks, when they get healthy, they are incredibly dangerous, too. I'll tell you this much. If the Celtics go into the playoffs as the one seed, and their potential scenario is if you see Miami sitting at seven and you see Philadelphia sitting at eight or any combination of that, that's a problem because that means they're going to have to go through one of those two teams in the first round. And that's not something you work all year to put the best record on the board to say, I'm going to play these teams. I saw it firsthand. It doesn't always go that way. Jimmy Butler was a supernova. And the Bucks had one of the best perimeter defenders in the league in Drew Holiday. He could not slow him down. It happens in this league. You take nothing for granted. And, yeah, I'll give the, Buc- uh, the, the Celtics the, 
the lead right now, but I, I, I would say this. I think it's a fool's errand to assume anything in this league, whether you're in the West or in the East. If if you're looking at the at the West, uh, you know, you just faced the Timberwolves, you got a chance to see them. I can't really pick the West at this point. Can you? Yeah, it's tough. Um, I think that you could talk about Look, if I'm if I'm guessing teams in in the West, it starts with the defending champs because their best player is playing his best basketball right now, and, and there's not many players who can keep up. I still put Giannis in that same category, but Nikola Jokic has just been outstanding for them and, and continues to be. But you know, the Clippers, I, I think the Clippers have some swagger too. They may be to a point where they're about ready to put it together and make things go. So, you know, those are the two teams that I think I, I look at first, but. Then, you know, these younger teams that haven't been there, they don't believe in you until they do. I mean, it took the box kicking the door in before people really finally took them seriously when they won the, the, the championship. So Minnesota, I think they've got the pieces to do it. I think they've got some veterans that have been around a little bit too. Oklahoma City, they're so young. Hard to, hard to know with those guys. I really struggle to see them making a big run. But they've got personnel and they've got players. So I don't know. And then who wants to play the Golden State Warriors in the first round if you're one of right. the top-tier teams? I mean, they start getting going. It's going to be – I think it's going to be a really interesting run on both sides. Dave, great stuff. Appreciate it as always. And as they get down the stretch, we'll touch base again real soon, okay? All right, Bill. Thanks for having me, man. Th- thanks, pal. Dave Kane, Milwaukee Bucks play-by-play radio voice, joining us for a couple of minutes uh, on the hotline. And, man, good, good stuff. Good, good stuff. Uh, and I, I agree with them. Look, uh, they got off to a fast start. They're starting to kind of like absorb what Doc Rivers is is getting them into. Uh, but as Grant and I were talking about a little bit earlier, um, the next three games, see what happens. And then you got the West Coast swing. And when they come back home from that, it'll be real indicative as to where I th- I believe anyway, where this team is as to whether or not they fully bought in, they're fully capable of understanding, and they're fully capable of committing to more than anything what uh, – what Doc Rivers is selling. This portion of the program brought to you by the Nice Ash Cigar Bar, 323 West Main Street, downtown Waukesha. Great place. They've got uh, the bourbon clubs, the whiskey club. They've got uh, the poker that goes on there on Mondays. Uh, so that's tonight. They have live entertainment Thursday, Friday, Saturday. 13 different flavors of hookahs and a large walk-in humidor with a huge selection. But just a, a great local business. It's been around a long time. And uh, it's just a, always... It's just a great atmosphere to go and just sit there and just enjoy and have a beverage and watch a little sports and and kind of BS with some friends. Great place. That's theniceash.com, 323 West Main Street, downtown Waukesha. Again, theniceash.com. More of the Bill Michael Show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Or we'll just kind of throw everything in the pot together and see where you come out. Got a lot of good stuff. Uh, got NASCAR with a photo finish basically yesterday. You've got uh, the whole storming of the court stuff going on. Uh, some thoughts on the Packers. There's some discussion about Aaron Rodgers. We got some Brewers chatter. We've been talking about Bucks basketball, obviously. As uh, you get, re- if you're a Bucks fan, what at what point do you believe again? Or maybe you do now. That's another question I wanted to ask because I was sitting there talking to Dave and I was watching some people over on the live stream talk about the Bucks, and I'm kind of like, at what point do you kind of go, yeah, I'm back in on the uh, the possibility of a championship. I'm back in on that. You know? 
I think there's some legitimacy to that. Uh, don't go anywhere. we got another hour of the Bill Michaels show. You have to go. We'll be back right after this.